How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. Today we're discussing the kind of departure of Chad Green, why the Yankees ended up going with Tommy Canely instead of Green, both, you know, obviously coming off injuries. Canely had a couple of innings of action last year, probably much further along in his rehabilitation um, than Chad Green, who tore, obviously had, you know, Tommy John surgery. And, you know, now he signed a two-year $8.5 million deal with our AL East rival, the Toronto Blue Jays. So definitely an interesting kind of situation unfolding there. We also want to discuss Esteban Florial and his you know, competition, like what he can offer this team in left field and if he can win that left field job and what happens to him because he doesn't have any minor league options left. Will the Yankees try to trade him? Will they just DFA him? Like there's has to be a decision with Esteban Florial rather soon based on the fact that you just don't have, an, they don't have any other option and um, it's either now or never for him. So, you know, Ryan, before we, let's start with Chad Green here. Before we do, how do you do today, my friend? I'm doing great. You know, ultimately, uh, you know, Chad Green is is someone that I think is is tougher to see go more so from the perspective of, you know, he was a pretty long time Yankee. Um, you know, he was part of that 2017 team that you would really kind of look at um, as someone who was a pillar, kind of one of that one of that part of that young group that came up that year and really excelled. Um, you know, the Yankees, I think that Tommy John surgery really was the reason the Yankees weren't going to bring him back. Not because, you know, he's going to regress or he's not going to be good anymore, uh, but but more so because Tommy Canley, uh, or I, we're going to talk about him in a bit, but Tommy Canley was available this year, you know, and Chad Green is not. Um, you know, would the Yankees have liked to keep Chad Green around? Yes, they're hugging the luxury tax, that Steve Cohen threshold, super tight. You know, even $4 million this year is going to push him over that threshold, uh, and, and that's something the Yankees aren't going to be doing right now. I thought they, I imagined that they had their price point and they weren't going to go over it. The Blue Jays were willing to add those extra couple million dollars and give them more um, insurance in that creative option situation where they have where the based on the decision they make this year. So if the Blue Jays pick up his club option, they have him through 2026. If they decline it, Chad Green gets to pick up his player option. If he declines it, it activates like a different uh, clause for the Blue Jays. It's a really weird contract. But end of the day, it comes down to, you know, did the Yankees want to give four million, you know, four to six million dollars to uh, a guy who could pitch this year or a guy who could pitch next year? Um, and I think considering where the Yankees are in their contention window, not saying the Blue Jays aren't also contenders, uh, the Yankees needed to prioritize getting someone who could help their bullpen right now uh, rather than getting someone who could help their bullpen next year. And Chad Green kind of became more of a luxury. If they could afford it, they could do it, uh, but they couldn't. Um, so they still have a hole in left field in my eyes. So uh, I imagine all the money that they have uh, that they could even free up in an IKF deal or anything like that is going to get put towards left field. It should get put towards left field or just be stashed away to be used in the deadline so that when they do acquire a player, they don't have to take on, um, they don't have to trade away so many prospects because they have to ask the team to take on money or anything like that. Right. You know, so even it's kind of interesting because they actually included like $29 million in player in team options, I think, for the 2025-26 season with Chad Green's deal. So it's really like a four-year deal. with It's, really, it's a two-year deal guarantee with $8.5 million, but then ton of add-ons if he ends up dominating, kicking some serious ass. But so, you know, going with Canely over Green was the right decision because, you know, Green obviously got injured last season, so he's probably going to miss – um, a little bit of time opening opening uh, 2023, but Canely's 100% healthy. He's ready to go. Obviously, the home run issues kind of prevalent for both pitchers in a way, but Canely's a little bit more obvious um, when you look at the numbers. Now, I guess right now, when you're looking at both players, Ryan, if you had to choose between the two, are you going with Canely? I imagine just because of the health factor right now. Yeah, I would be going with Tommy Canely, and quite frankly, I think even 
uh, if you're projecting for 2024, you know, it's kind of tough to really get anything really data-wise uh, for Chad Green in terms of, you know, what is he going to look like next year? What is Chad Green going to look like when he comes back? What does his velocity look like? What does the command look like? You know, velocities typically stabilizes pretty early on post-surgery, but the one thing that takes some time is command. So, you know, even if you're looking at a return for Chad Green for 2023, his command may be completely off for a little bit, uh, and it takes some time for that to come back. And if he comes back, it'll probably be really late in the year. Uh, trying to make a push to making the October roster. Um, and I'm not saying I'm doubting the fact that Chad Green can go out there and, and you know perform in 2023, but I think it's very unlikely he does that. Um, and then again, as you mentioned, 2024, I think that's just a complete question mark, right? You know, I'm not going to sit here and say Canley's definitively better a year from now. Uh, I'm not going to say Chad Green's definitively better a year from now, but uh, we don't know what Chad Green's going to be in 2024. So I'll take the the more certainty in Canley, and I'll take the immediate impact in Canley before I uh, take someone who's going to need to going to need to rehab the first year of his deal yeah that's definitely a good point and I'll, I'll tell you what this bullpen right now it lacks diversity in the lefty you know left-handed pitching department but you know you got guys like Carlos Rodon you got you know went well, in the starting rotation rather um and of course you got Nestor Cortez who you you're hoping that those lefty arms those starting pitchers can take you six plus innings whenever they're available um whenever their their, their slot is up but you know, not having that diversity in the bullpen is going to be interesting. I wonder how the Yankees really deal with that. I wonder if they bring in a lefty uh, rather soon. You know, like I said, Wandy's the only guy that lost Britton, lost Chapman. Um, so, you know, I wonder if they add another guy here. But Canley is obviously the right choice. They paid him slightly more, but nothing that's – it's just marginal at best. Two years, same as Chad Green, a little bit further in his rehabilitation. You know, looks pretty solid uh, during, a, you know, small sample size with the Dodgers last season. But, you know, I want to st- switch over to kind of uh, another segment, another topic entirely with um, Estevan Florial. Now, you know, I spoke about this with Sam a little bit, asked his take on it. I want to get yours as well. Brian Cashman has said, you know, specifically that he is, you know, it's Aaron Hicks, it's Oswaldo Cabrera, and it's Estevan Florial. Those are going to be the guys that are competing left field. You know, of course, you have Rafael Ortega, probably get some opportunities. Willie Calhoun, who, you know, more is just a filler than an actual realistic competitor, in my opinion. But um, I digress. Let's look at Esteban Florial. Really good numbers in AAA last year. Now, the 30.7% strikeout rate stands out. Chase and whiff rate's up the second he gets to the MLB level. He's never had more than 17 games um, in a season at the major league level, and usually they're all broken up into, like, three or four game stints, and, you know, he gets sent down, he gets called back up, he gets sent. He was back and forth all the time between Scranton and the Yankees and the Bronx, but... When you're looking at him, um, do you feel as though he needs more time, more you know, more consistency, or do you think that we've seen enough? Um, Esteban Florial's kind of time is coming to an end with the Yankees here. Or do you think he has one last crack at the starting job? Because in my opinion, like you're putting, I, I would prefer Oswaldo Cabrera to be in that utility role, and you know, using Hicks as your everyday guy, like. I mean, who's to say that uh, Florial doesn't come on and, and, and doesn't prove that he's capable of hitting consistently and, and performing well um, defensively? You know, how do you kind of view him as a piece to the puzzle right now? And if you think he can actually make an impact here? Yeah, so um, I, I think I'm definitively at this point out on Esteban Florial uh, as a major league starter. Um, quite frankly, I, I think last year was kind of that year for him to prove he could do it. Um, the, the strikeout rate in AAA was really concerning, 30.4% uh, strikeout rate. That doesn't really tend to get better at the major leagues. Um, you know, I, I think the power is still plus. I think he has, still has remarkable power. Um, I, I think he can hit for a high average uh, at AAA, but... I, you know, you have to be able to put the ball in play at the major league level in order for you to really find anything uh, sustainable, right? You know, small sample size, but in 63 play appearances, it's not like he's found much success at the major league level. He had that small spurt in 2021 when he was pretty successful, but outside of that, it really hasn't been uh, much to uh, 
find interesting or, or, or you know, positive. There weren't many positive signs there. Um, if you look at even his projections, there's not a single good offensive projection for Esteban Floreal. Uh, Steamer is his best one at 93, but most of them, you know, the bad X is as low as 73. Zips is as is at an 81, you know. For the most part, he's a consensus not good hitter. Um, and, and, you know, Aaron Hicks was not a good hitter last year either, but you take a 90 WRC plus over like an 80, right? You know, that's, that's, that's math right there, you know, 10% better. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, I'll take the proven guy. I'll take, you know, I'll take a proven guy in Hicks. If I have to platoon him, I'll platoon him. If I have to, you know, Hicks looks better from the right-handed side. I'll platoon him with Ortega if I have to, or, or Cabrera, whatever it may be. Um, I think there are just too many guys ahead of Floyal right now who are just a lot, just a lot safer, a lot better bets. Um, and Floyal still hasn't proven he can, you know, handle major league pitching. Not, not, not even just like hit, right. But, but handle it. Right. Um, if he was able to give you a 95 WRC plus, we're having a conversation now about platooning against right-handed, right-handed pitching. That's a conversation to be had now. Um, but it, it's, it's there, that hasn't really, uh, you know, that hasn't really come to form yet. And I get a lot of people are going to say, you know, the Yankees haven't given Floyal a chance. Um, but, but quite frankly, I mean, I don't think the Yankees were going to get much better if they took Aaron Hicks out the lineup at Floyal last year. They tried it. He did not play very well. Um, Cabrera eventually took over that role when the infielders came back. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, one big variable here with, with Floyal that we don't really talk about um, is how long does he have on this roster still? You know, how many, you know, he doesn't have minor league options. You know, he, how, how long is he going to really even be on this team? I wouldn't be stunned if we go into spring training or we exit spring training and Esteban Floreal is no longer on the team. Um, you know, it's kind of sad because, you know, in one, in, in a retrospect, you know, he's still a talented player. I think he can still find it, uh, but he's not going to find it in New York. He, he's not, not because he can't head on New York or anything like that. It's just a playing time, right? You know, Alex, I think you can agree with me here. You know, are you going to throw Esteban Floreal in left? field and opening day and say go get him you know what I mean like that's not a competitive move are you gonna bring up Floreal as even your first outfielder you know I know Nick loves Elijah Dunham is Elijah Dunham not gonna get a call over him potentially Everson Pereira is on the 40 man already you know if he plays well in AAA which he could get to AAA at the start of the year next year with a good spring training you know they'd both be at similar starting points is Everson Pereira not going to get the call before Floreal if we think, you know, hey, we want to give a guy a shot to, you know, be a full-time starter. Let's give it to a 22-year-old outfield with better prospect status instead of the 25-year-old who's kind of lost his. So age, injuries, performance, it kind of all accumulated over the last few years into Floreal just not making it. And it's unfortunate because he, I think he's still really talented. Yeah, so here's my take on that. And like you're saying, the Yankees could go in the direction of like, let's just call up Everson Pereira, you know, whatever, Elijah Dunham. Um, you could even make a strong argument. Jason Dominguez could be a better option. But, you know, I'll tell you this right now. This is Esteban Florial's final, final chance with the Yankees. A former number one prospect, a couple injuries that really bogged him down during his development. He was really good in AAA last year. You're not going to call up Everson Pereira. You're not. He's not the type of prospect that you elevate beyond, like right past AAA to the majors. You know, like he's not that good. I think he still needs time there and to really adjust and, and really you know gradually move up the chains. Um, but personally, because we don't have anybody else in left field, because you know, look, if you thought Aaron Hicks there is he going to be a little bit better offensively? Probably. Florial's probably a little bit better of a defensive player. Um, but you know, who knows? Maybe Esteban Florial like ends up hitting well and ends up like kind of finding his groove. Like it's hard to tell, but I think the Yankees do this. 
they're like, all right, look, Hicks is not a long-term solution. He's more of a stopgap, you know, whatever, despite whatever Brian Cashman says on a daily basis, how much he loves Aaron Hicks. It's either he's trying to offload him at the same time. So we know it's two-faced. This is kind of how I feel about it. If you're going to go and throw Aaron Hicks out there or throw Oswaldo Cabrera out there, look, Oswaldo Cabrera, great defensive player. He was not very good offensively last year. If you just look at the numbers, he was not great. You know, we're expecting him to take a step forward, and he needs that experience and time to get it. But I like him more in a super utility role than a starting left fielder. Um, I would love if somebody stepped up and filled that starting left field position, and then you had Oswaldo Cabrera, you know, able to help supplement DJ LeMayhew's health and help supplement um, anybody's health, whether it's Bader. You know, he can really fill in wherever you need him to. Rizzo at first, you know, any any level of uh, utility, uh, you know, sequence he can fill and keep everybody healthy, and I think that would be his preferred usage. But why not just give Floreal one last chance and be like, hey, this is your chance, man. If you screw up, you're gone. Like, we don't have any more minor league options to give you. Like, it's now or never. Nobody wants to trade for you. Like, we've tried to trade you. I think they were trying to trade with him to the Royals last year, uh, maybe in the deal for Ben Benintendi. Just they didn't want him. Like, it's this This is it for, for Floreal. So with his back against the wall, with everything to gain and nothing to lose, why not give him one last opportunity to win this job? Because otherwise, like, the alternative is Aaron Hicks. And, like, are we really going to sit here and act like Aaron Hicks is, like, significantly better right now? Because, you know, the last couple seasons would say he's not that much better. He's a liability offensively, just as Florial has been. But over a much, much larger sample size, he's proven to suck. Whereas Florial has played a maximum of 17 games broken up into smaller stints. The lack of consistency is, like, is awful. You know, it's, it's really not done him any favors. Do I think that Florial's a long-term solution? No. But at the very least, with his back against the wall and nothing to lose, I, let's go throw him out there and see what he can do over a couple of games strung together early in the year when the Yankees are fully healthy and, you know, they can supplement. Like, the Yankees are good enough to provide enough offense and, and enough pitching quality to win games with Florial not hitting. You know what I mean? And if he's not hitting and he's not doing anything for you at all, then you know you know your future and you just got to DFA him or let him go, whatever it might be. But, you know, how I think there is something to say about a competitor and, and Floreal. Like, this is his chance. Like, it's his last chance. Why not give it to him and see if he rises to the occasion? Yeah, so the way I view things with Aaron Hicks and Esteban Floreal is, you know, Esteban Floreal, I just – I don't know what the what the median outcome here is, right? Like, you know, I, I say this a lot with young players. There's a wide distribution of results here. You know, there is complete uncertainty with rookies. And I, I realize this team inherently has a pretty decently wide – like, th- things could go pretty south. I, I 100% understand when, you know, this team is having Peraza and Cabrera and eventually Volpe, you know, uh, settle into larger roles in this team. Uh, but the, the issue with Floyal is just more so – I mean, it's the hit tool, right? You know, I – I, I think Peraza, you know, Peraza has shown he can make consistent contact at any level he plays. Cabrera, you know, even though he had a higher strikeout rate than you'd like, you know, it, it settled down. The whiffs calmed down a little bit towards the end of that tenure. He still finished with the WRC plus of like a 111. So, you know, you feel like he can make contact at the major league level. Volpe has never really had a strikeout issue. I know a lot of people are going to point to the AAA stint. He played like 20 games, right? The strikeout rate is going to be high in 20 games, your first 20 games there. I'm, I'm not concerned. He does not have a strikeout issue. Um, but when it comes to a guy like Everson Pereira versus Aaron Hicks, I know Aaron Hicks can make contact with major league pitching. That that right there is going to give him the job for me, right? Like, I know he can make contact with major league pitching. I don't want to, you know, in a sense, 
not that I don't want to find out, but yeah, kind of. I don't want to find out what Estevan Florial looks like at the major league level because so far it's been ugly and it projects to get uglier. You know, it doesn't project to get much better. It doesn't project to get much prettier. You know, I, I know and I feel bad harping on this because, you know, I, I really do like Esteban Florial. I don't think it's anything wrong with him as a player, as a person or anything like that. It's just a matter of contact, right? Um, you know, even if you have... Aaron Hicks is a 90 WRC plus versus Florial like an 85, right? You know, you could say, well, Florial is more exciting, younger, more dynamic, but Hicks, you know, if he's going to, at least he can put the ball, like at least he's not going to run situations where he's going to be striking out like 50% of the time. You know, Florial is going to have stretches like that where he's walking, he's barely walking and he's striking out like in 40% of plate appearances. People are going to have to be either okay with that uh, and okay with it to the point in which they're passing up on a higher floor and, quite frankly, a similar ceiling. Like, do we think Florial is going to ever be good enough with his hit tool to go out there and hit, you know, uh, for a high WRC plus? I have a high OPS. He may not ever put up the OBP and batting average to do it at the major league level. Um, and that's kind of the same thing with Aaron Hicks in terms of batting average. He really struggles with that. Florial has a higher power ceiling. You know, Florial, I definitely think, has better power than Hicks. But end of the day, I think I'm more enticed by a situation where you have Aaron Hicks in, in left field. You know, if you want to add another outfielder uh, via kind of your minor league for agents, you bring in Ortega. I think Ortega's kind of the best guy right now. And you have Ortega hit against righties and Hicks hit against lefties, right? Hicks is a better hitter against lefties than he is against righties. He hits better from the right-handed side. Uh, quite frankly, you'd be in a pretty good situation. I think that's a better outcome than just throwing out Floreal. Is it exciting? No. Is it flashy? No. Do either of those guys have star potential? Absolutely not. But quite frankly, the Yankees just need okay from left field. I'm at the point with the Yankees where if they're okay in left field, if they're serviceable in left field, they'll be fine. So everything else, I think all the other positions are pretty good. Left field, they just need to be okay, serviceable, survive. You know what I mean? It, that's all they need to do until the deadline. Yeah, no, I understand that. And, and that's that's the key thing you said at the end there, until the deadline. They just need to survive until the deadline because at that point, Volpe may be up. Volpe may be hitting well. And, you know, that makes Glaber Torres expendable because you got Peraza, Volpe. Maybe Peraza ends up expendable because you want to keep Torres. Like, there's so many things they can do. The Yankees have value. They have prospects. They have guys who have value. They can move for left field support. Um, so we'll see what happens. This is really an interesting scenario. And we'll see if the Yankees make any moves now or they wait. Um, and who really steps up to the plate here? You know, pun intended, because ultimately, this is Florial's last chance. Hicks, I mean, we know they're trying to offload Hicks. And, if he, if he starts playing well and returns to his normal self that we saw back in 2018, 2019, maybe we just keep him around until the end of the season and see what happens here. But guys, I'd love to hear your perspectives on Esteban Florial. I think he can rise to the occasion with his back up against the wall and showcase his best baseball at the major league level if he gets the opportunity. Always happy to hear your perspectives down in the YouTube comments. As always, have a fantastic rest of your day. Like and subscribe as always. We'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.